0: Welcome to The Art of Significance with your host, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times best-selling author, university professor, gold record songwriter, and award-winning athlete, Dan Clark. Get ready for engaging discussions with some of the most influential people in the world who will impart their wisdom, stories, and inspiration on why and how to achieve the level beyond success. Now here's your
1: host, Dan Clark. Welcome my friends from all over the world. This is so exciting for me. As you know, I take a lot of pride in in the individuals that I invite on my show and I take a lot of pride in honoring the title, the theme of our show called The Influencers Channel on Voice America. You know, I've been a, a professional speaker now for 35 years and got a couple of little gold records in country music myself and I do everything I know how to do to connect with everyone in any way I possibly can. And today's guests are probably the most significant or at least one of the most significant power couples on our planet. And it's always so cool for me to meet superstars who are using their their talents to connect and change the world. I'm fascinated by meeting people who are crazy enough to believe they can change the world. And that's who I specialize in as I invite these amazing guests on my show. But today, we have a, a couple, the ultimate power couple. I've had one power couple on the air before, and this is my second opportunity. And uh, each, in his and her own way, a significant individual. Someone who has changed the world one story, one song, one event, one program, one idea at a time. But together, they are transforming what we call significance. Uh, Marcus Hummond is on the line. I don't want to take any precious time away from him, but... I just want to share one story about how I came up with the title of my last book, my 34th book called The Art of Significance, Achieving the Level Beyond Success. As you listeners know, I played football for 13 years. I was paralyzed for 14 months. 16 doctors told me I wouldn't get better. As I started to get better, I was asked to speak. Well, I had a conversation with an old football teammate of mine who was drafted into the National Football League in the second round by the Philadelphia Eagles. And after two years at the Eagles, he was traded to my Oakland Raiders. And after four years in the NFL playing at a superstar pro bowl level, one day he walks out of practice, quits never to play again. Why? He loved being a football player, but he hated playing football. He loved the celebrity perks and the fame and fortune that allowed him to live this life we call successful, which we're all caught up, caught up in, comparing ourselves with others, nice car, nice toys, nice fishing boat, you know, nice house, nice salary, nice title. But because my buddy's inner voice and true purpose in life was misaligned with who he was and what he did, he would never enjoy a life of significance and he would die with his music still in him. So today's show, again, is a celebration of songwriters, of entrepreneurs, of social entrepreneurs who are trying their very best to make a difference, one person, one song, one note at a time, because they can, because it's a calling. And remember, there's only 12 notes in music, and every song ever written in any genre was written with the same 12 notes. The only difference between one song and another song is the order in which those 12 notes fall and the timing and spacing in between the notes. So the question of the day, which I brought up on other shows, is what is the difference between a hit songwriter and a lousy songwriter They have access to the same 12 notes? And the answer is obvious. Passion, creativity, and imagination. Of all the guests that I've had on my show since I've been on the air, Marcus Hummond, epitomizes passion, creativity, imagination, and stepping it up to be a world-renowned influencer, using his talents, his musical ability to literally change the world and prove true our friend Tricia Yearwood's words of one of her most famous songs, The Song Remembers When. <clears throat> Marcus Hellman, Grammy winner and two-time NSAI Songwriters Hall of Fame nominee, has recorded songs in many genres, pop, R&B, gospel, and country. He's written songs for rascal flats like Bless the Broken Road, The Dixie Chicks, Cowboy Take Me Away, Sarah Evans, Born to Fly. How about Tim McGraw's One of These Days? One of my dearest friends on the planet is Monty Powell. And we also have Winona's Judd's Only Love. This guy is unbelievable believable. As a recording artist and instrumentalist, Marcus released a critically acclaimed country record and has scored two films, Lost Boy Home, narrated by the amazing Sam Waterston. And it won the Best Shorts Award for the Palm Beach International Film Festival 2013. One of my stories was made into a film at Paramount Studios starring Jack Lemmon. It's also won some some film festivals. It was a short. I can't wait to talk Great. about his movie-making movie, movie making ability. And his other scored uh, film, The Last Songwriter, which won the Audience Award at the Nashville Film Festival 2017. Human's children's book, holy cow, we have so many things in common, anytime, anywhere, was published by Anthenium Press, a division of Simon & Schuster, in 2009. And in 2017... Marcus's book, The Passion, a book co-written with his wife, Becca Stevens, who is our second guest today. Don't go anywhere after a break. This book was published by Church Publishing, reflecting, I believe, Marcus's cantata of the same name released on CTM Records. Marcus lives in Nashville, Tennessee, which I frequent about every six weeks, with his beautiful and amazing wife, Becca, and their three sons, Levi, Canny. I hope I said that right, it could be Caney, and of <laughs> course. And of course, Moses, ladies and gentlemen, you know, hold on to your seatbelts. Marcus Hummond is on the air and in the house. Marcus, thank you so much for joining my show.
2: Hey, Dan, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And thanks for all the kind words. And, um, hey, I want to know who that ball player was.
1: I can't tell you because can't <laughs> tell me. <laughs> I will off the air. I will off the air. That's funny. If you're a huge fan, that would be interesting to know. Yes. But let's get to the heart and soul. I'm always curious yes. about at what stage in your life did you realize that you had this amazing gift to connect the head and the heart through music? Well,
2: um, for me, the sort of the journey of songwriting has um, has always been, as you describe it, it's always been head and heart, and um, and an activity of passion. It's um, you know, it's one of those businesses that if you if you set about to be a songwriter uh, because uh, you know, you're likely to make a lot of dough, <clears throat> that's kind of foolhardy. That's not really um, very likely. And um, as, you know, as I an mean, auto reflection as, as that is, I think the reason you do it is, uh, as we often say in the business, um, it, you do it because you really can't think of doing anything else. I mean, it's what you there's a certain point in my life I just kind of decided this is it. you know this is what I want to do. um I want to use music in this way to tell stories and to to speak what was in my heart and um and when I made that decision i I basically never turned back
1: well. Well, I turned this show into, you know, I have any any choice of format and I've always wanted to highlight Grammy Award winning songwriters because I'm the I'm the number one fan of the Bluebird Cafe format where we get to hear oh, stories yeah. behind the songs. I've had Monty Powell on a couple of times, Tim Nichols is a great friend, Liz Rose is one of my dearest friends, you know, Ashley Gorley, we had breakfast the other day in Nashville. So I'm fascinated by yeah by by your success. And let me ask you a question. Do you who, from 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 where do you find your inspiration for your songs? And your songs aren't just songs; they're anthems. They're they're life changing messages that become people's love songs, people's recovery songs. Tell me about where you find your inspiration. Who has been your greatest inspiration in the music world? Wow!
2: First of all, the writers you mentioned, of course, Monty, I know quite well, and we've written a lot of songs together. Those are all great writers. Um, you know, I grew up, my parents were, uh, uh, my father was in the Foreign Service. He uh, um, worked for AID overseas, and so we, we grew up bouncing around. My mom was a wonderful piano player, and, and they were both really good musicians, and let met in, in choir in a small college, Albion in, in Michigan. Um, music was always part of our lives, and not just popular music, but um, the music, uh, theater and classical music, music. Um, a lot of folk growing up. And then early on, we lived in East Africa and then West Africa, so early music that we heard was also from, you know, from Africa, and that was a powerful thing. But um, I think that the, sort of the great singer-songwriter generation in the 1970s was, you know, we were all children of the Beatles, and, and, uh, and given where I lived, you know, Bob Marley was a powerful force, but it was the singer-songwriters like uh, Cat Stevens, Neil Young, Mm. um, uh, Joni Mitchell, um, just to name a few that, you know, Don McLean, those, those folks, you know, when they were writing, it was kind of, it's kind of hard to describe sometimes the young songwriters now, the degree to which songwriters, when I was a kid growing up in the seventies, um, they were, you know, they were poets and they were, Mm. um, they were. You know, cultural analysts and politicians, they were our theologians. And I just, I remember thinking that was, you know, a very romantic kind of image of, of how you would, <clears throat> you know, experience life. I kind of describe it as a prism, you know, that you, you know, kind of reflect whatever truth you, you have through a prism, and that prism is music. And, uh, so for me, you know, I, everything I go through, everything, um, I try to um put it to song, you know, and sometimes popular songs but sometimes theater, you know, sometimes a choral work. You know, it just sort of depends what the inspiration, what the specific story, what the feeling is, but one way or the other in in my life anyway, you know, um it's gonna come out in music and um, and and for me too, music is a kind of a it's sort of like almost like a daily uh it's a practice um, it's a meditation. Um, I don't. I try to make some kind of music. You know, every day of my life, if I can, um, and that's just putting in the work.
1: Do you uh, do you take pride in songwriting appointments where you show up with a with a lick you can't get out of your head or with a, a possible hook? Or teach yeah. those those budding songwriters who tune in every week, teach us about your process of preparing for a songwriting appointment, which incidentally, ladies and gentlemen, is usually about a four-hour meeting in the morning. And then right. the songwriters that have the publishing deals, they break for lunch, and then they have another four-hour songwriting <laughs> appointment in the afternoon. I've mm-hmm. had that experience where I walk in and I want somebody to hit me in the face with a bat because there's no chemistry with this this man or woman that they've hooked me up with. and. This is such an honor to have you on the show. Teach us what your process is.
2: Yeah, that's, well, you've, you've, you know, for folks that don't know about, you know, the profession of songwriting, you know, uh, a couple of things to think about um, when you think about um, uh, Frank Sinatra, think about Barbra Streisand, you think about Elvis Presley and all the incredible music that they've offered the world and certainly the American songbook, but really the world. When you keep in mind that they never wrote any songs at all. Um, You know, a lot of people don't really realize that there is this sort of um, profession, but also culture of songwriting. And it takes a lot of different shapes. You're exactly right that in Nashville, we are um, the largest songwriting community in the world, but we're also, um, it's a a culture of, of co-writing in many cases, not in all cases, but, co-writing is kind of a way of life. And for me, you know, it, it really varies. I, when I write with an, an artist, most, you know, often i write with artists, but sometimes I write with folks who are songwriter artists, you know, who are not necessarily recording. But if I work with somebody who's recording, I try to, uh, first of all, listen to some of their work and to figure out, um, where there might be a connection and the various things that, that I do, um, whether, you know, for me, uh, fortunately, I can, I kind of compose on guitar and piano, but, you know, can also make my way with mandolin and, and banjo a little bit. And so um, i I'll tell the publisher company that I work for, you know, that I, my big thing is I, I just want to write with people, you know, who are really passionate about music. I don't really care what their genre is. It doesn't really, you know, matter to me uh, terribly. And I try to, yeah, I try to research what they do, and then in many cases, it's true, I do try to have ideas ready. Sometimes I'll have uh, a verse and a chorus fleshed out, um, but then, you know, when you get in the writing room, the thing that you have to remember about co-writing is that it's somewhat akin to dating, and uh, in that there's just a strange chemistry which happens or doesn't happen, and you can't force it um, it it's part of what makes it such a wonderful and interesting career uh, or practice is that you know the you walk into a room and often with a you know a complete stranger and you know your job is to create these intimate you know haiku like portraits of life and of your deepest Instincts and you know, of course, about 80% of everything you write about is love and what's more important than that. So it's really interesting, you know, when it, when it works, it's, uh, it, it's somewhat, it's kind of magical, you know, because you don't, you, you can find yourself wonderfully, joyfully surprised, um, by the process. And then in those best uh, situations, you, then you can develop a relationship over a period of time. There are some, you know, some folks that you can write with over quite a, quite a period of time, and that becomes a, a pretty deep connection. But, you know, as you also pointed out, it doesn't always work, too. Sometimes you get in there, and there is no chemistry. And uh, that, too, is just kind of part of the, the world of it. And, and what usually happens there usually is just, uh, you know, you're going to go have lunch, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you're going to write something that you probably is not going to be very memorable.
1: Which brings up a life lesson, you know, especially for sales professionals. If we can't separate the person from the performance, when someone doesn't like what we're selling, we take that rejection personally. But let's just point out in this teaching moment that... You know, you're a hit songwriter and you have so many mega hits, but there are probably some people out there in the world who don't enjoy your music. There are people who love Michael Jackson who don't enjoy country music, and there are people who love country music who don't enjoy Michael Jackson. Right. But what you're teaching us here, Marcus, is be true to yourself. Write songs that are, that matter to you. And when you're authentic in the songwriting, is this what you're saying when you're authentic in the songwriting and you actually can vent, what you really feel and what you really know about love and about, about life, then you will connect with those who really connect with you and that, and and the connection's beautiful. It's, it's, that's, that's, that's music to everyone's ears and hearts. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, the, when you know what it is, the types of things that you want to say, but you're also open to what someone else has to bring and you know, your heart, Your heart kinda knows truth. It it a bell rings, you know, there's a it all of these things are somewhat subjective. You know, what I find beautiful may as you say, may not be what someone else finds beautiful. But what Mm -hmm. I have found more often than not is that the things that I really do feel strongly about and that I do think are beautiful, um when you achieve a creation which encapsulates some of that I found that more often than not, you do connect with people. And connecting with others is, you know, songwriting is a communal act. It is not, um something that you do and you've just done it, uh, just for yourself and then you go home and you quietly play for yourself and you smile and that's the end of it. You know, it, it really isn't that. It's about offering something up. And, and as a, uh, something else which is connected to that is the fact that as you write something, if you, if you feel that it's beautiful, one of the marvelous things is that people may very well write their own kind of interpretation of whatever, you know, they enter the artwork. And, um, you know, you may have a vision of what you've said, and hopefully you feel great about that. Um, but others may have almost equally beautiful understandings of what it is you've written. You know, a song like Bless the Broken Road may mm. mean something to, you know, to different people in different ways. Um, I've had a number of interesting interpretations of Cowboy Take Me Away mm. um, from people. And I, you know, I love that. And I don't feel it's responsible for there to be one meaning for a work. I think quite the contrary. Uh, it's one of the most beautiful aspects of the art form is that, you know, is how people enter the life of a song.
1: Yeah, the baggage that they're bringing to their first listen versus they listen to it again in a week a week later and it might mean something totally different because of what they've experienced in the last seven days right
2: that's right and you know and i and i'm exactly the same way in the sense that you know um it was not it was just a few weeks ago and i was kind of in a funk um creatively and in other ways and i um one evening I was just sitting around and I <clears throat> I went back and I listened to, I just listened to a few songs off the album, Teeth of the Tillman by Cat Stevens.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I remembered how I felt. I, I mean, I could feel the connection to myself as a 12-year-old, you know, listening. Wow. And then I could also feel that I was hearing it in a different way. I was hearing it, you know, as in, in my 50s and I was listening to everything from the the aspect of the song itself and then, you know, because I'm a musician and I live in studios, you know, I was also listening to the use of the guitar and to where the percussion was and just, you know, having a wonderful kind of new sense of the song in it uh, or a song like father and son by Kat Stevens hmm. is so interesting because when I was a kid, of course I heard that song and I thought of myself, you know, as the kid, you know, it's not time to make a change. Just relax, take it easy, and I could see myself there. But now I'm the dad. And Uh, kids are graduating this week, and it's a whole different song, but no less wonderful.
1: Yes, sir. Well, this is uh, voiceamerica.com, the Influencers Channel. My guest is the amazing Marcus Hummin. We need to take a quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with him. We're going to feature one of his songs called Rosanna. But we still have much to learn from you, Marcus, about life and about love and about awesome. connection. So don't go anywhere. And we'll be back in just a moment. Thanks.
0: Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. If you're an event meeting planner like me, you have two ongoing challenges. You can't afford to have a speaker who bombs. And when you do have an amazing speaker, who in the world do you bring into next year's meeting that will top them? Well, you never have to worry again. Book Dan Clark. Dan Clark is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet. He's been named one of the top 10 speakers in the world. He's known for customizing his speech around your meeting theme, so your people leave with benefits that last a lifetime. Here's the number, 1-800-676-1121. Or just visit danclark.com.
1: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at Keyword Voice America.
0: You're listening to The Art of Significance featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795 or drop down a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark.
1: So, my guest is Marcus Humman. It's amusing. You know, I recorded my first album way back in 1983, so that guitar riff uh, intro and exit from my show is me with my magical fingers oh, really? back in the day when they actually moved somewhere on a on a guitar neck. Now I'm just old. Anyway, my guest is Marcus Humman. You know, we're going to feature your song, Rosanna, but in the true fashion and the true format of the Bluebird Cafe where we get to meet the songwriter and hear the story behind the song – I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the inspiration behind Bless the Broken Road because I was paralyzed for 14 months. And as we talked before, uh, we went off the air that it's, it's about kind of where we are in our lives right now. Uh, that song has taken on a meaning. It's healing. It is so extraordinary for everyone that I've ever met. Teach us a little bit about the inspiration behind that song before we start focusing in on the song we're going to play.
2: Okay, uh, well, it was a long, you know, 25, gosh, 26 years ago or so, um, pretty old song, and it was an originally recorded by the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band on an album called Acoustic, um, and then later others recorded, including myself on Columbia. I did the first piano uh, recording, and it was really composed on piano, um, and, um, uh, it, the the actual sort of sit down writing of it was between myself and a guy named Jeff Hanna who's the lead vocalist one of the lead vocals for the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band was you know it's just a great one of the greatest groups uh, in America and uh, I had just sung at his uh, wedding um, uh, Becca did the wedding and and he married the great songwriter Matrosa Burke Strawberry Wine. Tracy Berg, who's a long-time ago. Oh wow! Oh wow! So I knew I was I was going to get to write with Jeff. It was my first time. I was a huge fan, as I am now, but a huge fan of the Dirt Band. And, and I, you know, I wanted to have an idea. I wanted to have something to offer. And it just happened that there was a guy who was working at the publisher now, was at BMG at the time, Bobby Boyd, and he asked me out uh, to. So you know friends.
1: Mark. And, so you know Michael yeah. Perrier and Karen and all the gang. Yeah, over
2: Michael Perrier signed me. He's Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah that's where that's where public. I was
1: as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Small in
1: world, brother.
2: Yeah, well, he just had a kind of an inspirational thought. He was, um, and I'm not saying anything that hasn't already been said. You know, he's uh, it's been published about and so forth. But he he was at the time going through a divorce, and it was you know kind of a messy one. And he was telling me all about it, and then he just said. He sort of stopped himself. He was, he was sort of talking about things that had gone wrong and things that he felt that, you know, he could have done better and he was in the middle of it. And and then he said, you know, but he was like, you know, the person I've met, I know, you know, I know that this is my soulmate. I i just know that this is who, you know, I was meant to be with. And he said, so I, I just don't think I would change any, anything that got me to this point. Mm. And for me, that was just kind of a, a light bulb that went off in my mind, and it's not a complicated thought, but it it is. Uh, it, for me, the meaning of the song because uh, I went home and immediately I just started working. I just went to the piano and, and started looking for something, and I wanted something that was a you know it felt like it was still a popular song. It was a three and a half minute you know you know verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, but it was also I wanted it to kind of sound like a hymn in a way, Mm -hmm. and like a contemporary, like something. Um, And for me, it just sort of meant that, you know, in the midst of our lives, all of which are are broken, all of us, all of us, um, that there are opportunities sort of for grace at all times, that if we allow ourselves to sort of open our eyes and our heart, um, that grace is sort of always reaching for us. That doesn't mean we always reach back, you know, windows open, doors open, and you have to step through them, but you know there are people that to love you, and there are people that need loving from you uh, wow. at all times. And that this—that's to me the nature of grace. Um, and so we wrote. So Jeff and I sat down and we finished this thing off, and they they recorded it, and I was really really happy that they recorded it. But the song itself had kind of a broken road ahead, and mm. it would be recorded. By a number of folks, and uh, of course, eventually, Rascal Flatts did it, and that was, I thought, a magical recording. And of course, oh yeah, it was, you know, a big hit and did did real well. Something and that's the, the year, one that yeah. everybody knows.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like yeah, Her- Larry <laughs> Henley. I've written with him. You know, he wrote "Wind Beneath My Wings," and it never really oh, launched until Bette Midler. You know, they put it in a movie. I'm saying, oh, you got to be kidding me. Anyway, so let's yeah. <laughs> focus in on this song that we're going to play, Rosanna. My guest is Marcus Hummond. Tell us the story behind Rosanna. Why did you choose that one to showcase on the show today with the promise that you will, you will return time and time again? I love talking to you, brother. Mike oh, gosh, you. what an honor. Wow. So talk about Rosanna.
2: Well, thank you. Um, well, Rosanna was um, someone who had come through. Uh, my wife, she'll tell you, uh, you know, her wonderful work with a, to be a recovery program for women who've been trafficked. Magdalene, and then the social enterprise, she created Thistle Farms, and and there were so many remarkable women uh, survivors. and survivors, and one of them was this uh, woman, Rosanna, and she became, um, a friend, she was also just sort of a real bright light within the sisterhood that is that organization, those organizations, and, um, anyway, she was, uh, deported, she's, uh, of, she's Honduran, and, um, uh, uh, at any rate, this story is about when she uh, was sent off to, some, you know, kind of a holding. She was in Louisiana for six months and then, then deported, but she had a child back in the United States. And she'd been in the United States for most of her life. She'd been um, trafficked when she was a little, well, a, you know, 12, 13-year-old girl out across the border. Um, and it's a horrible, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's typically just awful sad story, but hers was a great success story, and then suddenly there she was across the border, and then she decided to make her way back, and so the song is really about her crossing um, the border and to find her, um, to come back for her daughter, and uh, this is a story that she told me when she did finally get back, and she was all strung out again, and it was, it was just a, a unbelievably powerful to me, and I remember that night, she told me, I just I actually just started crying. I just, you know, the, I got real emotional about it. Um, and and then just wrote this piece, which is, uh, and she has since been deported again. I do not know what has happened to her, but I wanted to tell her story.
1: Wow, what an honor. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, my guest is Marcus Humman. And the song you're going to hear is his hit called Rosanna. You heard the story behind it. I can't wait for all of you to hear it
4: she was smuggling to the land of the free with a gag on her mouth roped hands and feet please don't hurt me she said to the strange man i'm 14 years old she said trying to stand i come from honduras my name is rosanna to satisfy a man who was willing to buy her put a gun to her head and have his own way? With a sister, a daughter, maybe mother someday Somebody's sister, daughter, or mother someday Find her daughter. And she made it as far as the Rio Grande. Naked as a baby, clothes in her hands. Waiting on the helicopter to pass. She was kneeling down in the tall, dry grass. Silent as a prayer on Easter Mass. And when the dogs are gone, they race for the river. Trucks are gonna come. Hey, it's three days of poison wells, and it's hot as hell. And her friend Carla, she don't look so well. Carla dies in the shade of an old thorn tree. Don't cry, Rosanna. Just let her be. It's another free meal for the coyote. Yeah. With my own hand Would I let Jesus Step on my land to poison my well Sick a dog On a child of God Like Rosanna Rosanna Money for the Mafia, American Green A truck ride to Houston packing like sardines Back to the street to find her way home Same old tricks, sell sex and get stoned and talking to her daughter on the One day we all have to cross the waters With our brothers, our sisters, sons Just as sure as the moon swims the Rio Grande. One day she'll walk through our door. Hallelujah, Hosanna. Welcome home, Rosanna.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is VoiceAmerica.com, the Influencers Channel. I'm Dan Clark. My guest has been Marcus Hummin'. That was his song, Rosanna. And it's just such a, a perfect intro To my next guest, we won't go to a commercial break because I want to talk to Becca Stevens with the promise that she will also return to my show. She has so much to teach us. Becca Stevens is an author, a priest, social entrepreneur, founder and president of Thistle Farms. We're going to talk about that. After experiencing the death of her father and subsequent child abuse when she was five, Becca longed to open a sanctuary for survivors offering a loving community In 1997, five women who had survived trafficking, violence, and addiction were welcomed home. It's the song of Rosanna. Twenty years later, the organization continues to offer a free residence, providing housing, medical care, therapy, and education for two years. What an amazing woman. How philanthropic can you be? The global market of Thistle Farms helps employ nearly 2,000 women worldwide With a national network of more than 40 sister communities, we'll find out how we can get involved and join Becca's tribe. Becca was featured in the New York Times on ABC World News and NPR and was recently named a 2016 CNN Hero and a White House Champion of Change. Whoa. She was named Humanitarian of the Year by the Small Business Council of America and inducted into the Tennessee Women's Hall of Fame her newest book, Love Heals, is available for purchase, Becca. The better half of Marcus Humm and team. And one thing that really hit me when I was talking to to Marcus is his idea of 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 celebrating the collaboration of a song and how you write it together. I guarantee, with all due respect to Marcus, he would not be who he is and be able to accomplish what he's been <laughs> accomplished if he hadn't had you by his side as an equal partner in crime. Becca, welcome. Thank you so much. So I'm so sorry that he and I got so waylaid taking so much of your precious time, but please promise you'll be back. Let's just talk right now about whatever you want to talk about. I, I'm sure all my listeners want to know about Thistle Farms. Let's just start there. Sure.
5: And I just want to say that one of the things that you know I love about what you're doing and what Marcus is doing is about the whole endeavor of creativity. And when you put that to music and you put that in our justice work, there are great collaborations, and and I wouldn't have Thistle Farms without Marcus either. It's not just, you know, the inspiration goes both ways, so I'm happy for you all to take. You could have taken the whole hour, and I would have been celebrating.
1: You're so but, funny, and I'm going to hook you up. I don't know how intimate your relationship is with the Ingram family. John's one of my dearest friends, and I uh, and his wife, there's they would be so fascinated by what you're doing, and I'm going to definitely come into town and make that connection and see how we can tap into his uh, his huge heart and philanthropic uh, desire. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that well, I should put done him on a the,
5: lot on the entrepreneurial front for oh, all yeah. of our city in Nashville. He's done great but, work.
1: Oh, yeah. So talk to us. What is Thistle Farms?
5: So Thistle Farms is just a global community of women who are survivors of trafficking, addiction, and prostitution. We started right here in Nashville. And we've been doing it for about 21 years. And we did it with just housing. It was like, just let's make create a place for sanctuary for women. And then it was about four years into it, we were like, we're talking about love and Community that we really have to be concerned about women's economic freedom too. And that's when we started our justice enterprise called Thistle Farms that produces and sells and distributes, you know, all kinds of home and body care products. And it grew. So, like in 2008, we had our first global partner with a group of women who are survivors of the genocide and all their sexual assault in Rwanda. And then You know, we have communities um, all over the country. Our latest one was in Seattle, Washington. Just opened up a home there. One of our graduates from Thistle Farms in Nashville went out to be the first executive director there. I mean, it's been this beautiful way of just growing a movement. I've just come from, we have these education days where people who are interested in this housing-first model for survivors can come in, learn about the model, take it back to their cities. We just had... 70 people from 17 different states, or maybe it was 21 different states. I can't remember. There was some number. But they come and they just say, we want to help women who we've seen on the streets and in jails. What can we do?
1: Wow. You know, one of my friends is Michael Bolton. and His entire foundation is focused on women's issues, domestic violence. And maybe that's uh, the reason why we've met on the air, because that would be a perfect, more than serendipitous, a perfect connection to 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 branch out in the music world as well, and and uh, start, you know, galvanizing all the connections and influencers that we have, because he raises huge money and great money all for women's issues, and that sounds like what what your calling is, eh? I'm
5: so glad he's doing that. I mean. I mean, I haven't met a woman that I've worked with in the last 20 years who hasn't been raped. Oh, my gosh. You know, the sexual violence um, that they have endured on their individual backs really is, um, you know, it does, it it permeates our families and communities. And the idea that when we help and heal women, we heal communities is powerful. I'm so glad he's doing that.
1: Well, talk to us about your newest book, Love Heals.
5: Sure, I'm happy, happy to talk about it. The, um, the book was, um, you know, Harper Collins came to me and said, will you write a book? Um, subsequently, Marcus, uh, that, um, wrote a song with our son, Levi Hummond, who's also a singer-songwriter in Nashville, has now written the theme song called Love Heals. Allison Krauss did the backgrounds. They filmed it at Thistle Farms. If anybody wants to kind of wow. understand the themes of Love Heels, you can just, you know, Google Love Heels, Levi Hummond. And you'll you can see the video. It's um, it's 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 the idea that that is the simplest and most profound calling of our lives is to have this sense of healing grounded in love. And I don't mean miracle cure. I really mean about this, you know, intentional walk that we are all making towards wholeness.
3: Yes, and so
5: it's practical, you know, ways, daily ways that we can be a part of this power of love in our lives. It's creating and sustaining love. It's making love happen. And, you know, it's not just a self-help book. It's about healing ourselves, but also about making our world more loving and better.
1: And I've been a professional speaker now for 35 years, and I, I brag on one thing. I was inducted in the National Speakers Hall of Fame. And the reason why I'm bragging on that is to to lead to to lend credibility to my next statement that in my experience, men can be role models to men, but women can be role models to both men and women because you get us to do things that men can't get us to do. Uh So how can we support you? How can we jump on board and and join your tribe? Tell us how to get in, in touch with you, how we can support everything that you're about, Um, is there a website? Is there, is there an email? Is there some, you know, intimate connection that we could all pursue?
5: No, we have no website or email. I'm just,
1: Yeah, I was going to say, well, thanks for having us.
5: (laughs) No, but I just, you know, what I think people can do, if you want to be a part of this, because the story of human trafficking is a horrific and horrible story and it's global and it's massive. The story of Thistle Farms is a story of hope, and people do want to join it, and we make friends everywhere we go. And, you know, people can do a number of, I'm going to just say three quick things. One is practice loving without judgment. You know, hearing people's story just in your circle and, and, and taking those in and saying, how can I help each other? That's being a part of the story of healing. You can absolutely go on our website, thistlefarms.org. Mother's Day, any holiday, these are perfect gifts. These are beautiful gifts to give yourself, oils to rub on your body, candles to light, books to read. You know, we got you. We have baskets from Rwanda anywhere. And you're doing more than shopping. You're investing in women's freedom. So don't apologize that you're just shopping. It is a great thing. You should get all your staff, Dan, presents from Thistle Farms. That would be
1: a great way to
5: support us. And then I won't be mad that I got 10 minutes of my time cut off. I know, I
1: know, I know. Well, I didn't know his song Um, was 17 and a half minutes long. I mean, he told the whole story after Roseanne. I was impressed. I mean, he started at DNA and then he, she was deported 17 times and came back. And I was, what a great song. I want somebody to write a song about me like that. I mean, I had no idea. We start playing the tune and my clothes went out of style from the time we started, you know.
5: Hey, and let me just tell you the third thing people
1: can do. I'm so <laughs> like, sorry. Becca, I'm sorry I'm...
5: The third thing people can do, I just want to say this, is like, go ahead, be a social media advocate. Speak your truth, tell our truth, and just say, like, even on these pl- uh, platforms like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you're using, tell a story about how love is healing. Link people to us. We want to be a powerful force and we need social media
1: advocates. Okay, so now let's let's flip the switch here. We still have a couple of minutes. It sounded like you started talking more quickly than you had to. I want to settle down here and put you on the hot seat. So, tell me the love story between you and Marcus, and how your understanding that love heals has helped you be a, been a better partner, a better a better mother, a better a better spouse, a better community activist.
5: You know. Marcus and I are getting ready to celebrate our 30th anniversary, and we met in the halls of the Divinity School, and it has been this beautiful, beautiful love story, and it has been healing to me. I mean, he has walked with me, and I have walked with him. We walk alongside each other, and we do. We love each other in really practical, supportive, beautiful ways. So I think he is a better songwriter because of our marriage, and I think I'm a better advocate and writer because of our marriage. I mean, like, one of the things I would say is that when he told you he writes every day, it is the gospel truth, no matter what. I'm talking about no matter what. He gets up and with a cup of coffee sits down at the piano, and he just begins to, you start hearing these mantras almost of music, and sometimes they're really old tunes and old melodies, and every now and then you hear it take off into some place new. And I think, oh, my gosh, I am hearing a new melody no one's heard in this world. Wow. And I am in this house and I get to hear it. And I know that he feels kind of the same way about me, about what I do in my work, that, you know, I'll be walking through the woods and saying, I just had an idea of how we can start a justice enterprise with women fleeing Syria. And he'll go, what can I do to help? And he's written a song to support that particular effort. Or, you know, we're going to go launch a new program in New Orleans, and he's got the kids. I mean, like, that is a true love story when it's really a partnership, and it really, you know, you have so much gratitude. It overflows to how we can love the world.
1: So if young couples in love are listening What would be your greatest message for young men and young women as they begin their journey together to make sure it lasts 30-plus years?
5: Well, you know, I'm a priest, too. I'm also an Episcopal priest, so I counsel a lot of young people when they get ready to get married. And I've started thinking in the last couple of years that the question shouldn't be, will you marry me? I almost think the question is, will you bury me? And it's a life journey and you're willing to let this person be the one that breaks your heart because it is you know we'll be together till death and yeah, one of us will bury the other one and lay each other down
1: from a humorous perspective though that's bad I, that's bad advice there's never going to be a divorce a murder maybe but never a divorce <laughs>
5: exactly
1: I, but, I, I mean, mean we gotta like, we you gotta so talk
5: when, when, you, when you go into it with the idea that like it is it really is this love journey that we're taking and it's not always this Um, thing that we've been sold on the mass market of romance. It's not about that. It is really, it has that, those elements, and when those come, those are beautiful. But to me, it's like it has to be a real partnership and practicality, and like we want to raise these kids, and we want to build this life, and we're going to be together.
1: So you meet walking the halls of the Divinity School Talk about that old country hit, li- looking for love in all the wrong places. Let's take your advice <laughs> another direction. So where do we go? I mean, what do we do?
5: Yeah, go to your local divinity school and start
1: oh, that's just strolling
5: the hallways.
1: That's that's.
5: I don't. I don't know where people. I think you go where you have passion and where your heart is, and you'll meet people with those similar passions and heart. So you go to the rock climbing wall. You go to, you know, the book club and the library. It's like. Go where your heart is, you know, and and I think people really need to seek community out and find places where they feel like they can abide, where they can dwell and they can walk alongside people. That's, I mean, for me at least, it's like that'll carry you a really, really long way. Wow. The other thing, my advice is to find somebody like Marcus. That's really, honestly, because he is the most patient, kind man that you could you know, make a life with, and I think sometimes it's like you know, I just kind of lucked into that, so sometimes I think you just get lucky,
1: you know I've often preached, I do every time I get on the air, and every time I'm in front of an audience that we become the average of the five people we associate with the most mm. so you've you've mm. you've been more you've been more calculating on your destiny than than perhaps you just admitted, I think that Marcus was attracted to you for the same reasons and together you rise. So what a powerful mm-hmm. show this has been. What a powerful, you know, partnership you are and what an example to the world. On a selfish note, uh, are you out on the speaker circuit then? Is there some way I can use my influence to make sure that we get you in front of the largest audiences possible to, to preach your good news, to share your yes, example?
5: Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, that's how we make our life um, and I make my life. I am on the road a lot. And so, how do we get a hold
1: of you as a speaker?
5: You can get a hold of me as, as a speaker. Just say, just email contactbecca@thistlefarms.org, and we'll we'll get you all hooked up.
1: Oh, I love it.
5: And I always travel with two women who are graduates of the program, two survivors. And oh we come my god! And we share stories as well as tell as as well as explaining the story. We try to just tell our own stories of survival. And then we talk about how it is that, you know, we can have great community impact through this work.
1: Wow! You know, I live here in the in the mountains of Utah ski resort. Friends with Monty Powell, one of your husband's uh, great friends. You know, getting him to, to move here. But there's a gentleman I we have an organist. You what? I married he and Anna. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to call him the second we get off the air. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, I love him to great. death. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've known him. We wrote back in the day, you know, before it was any, he would come to my house and sleep on the blow-up queen-size bed in our dance room and <laughs> uh, with Joe Fisher. And, you know, and then I finally, he yeah. makes it big. And I'm like, had I known, I would have given him my master suite. Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. But there's an organization here in Utah called the um, Operation Underground Railroad. Tim... Ballard. Yep. They're focusing on trafficking. The movie out was the Abolitionist. I'm very involved with my family, so maybe we need uh, to hook uh, hook up our our connections. We have one minute and you left. you have, left. have to call
5: it, Marcus and I when you come to town. You have.
1: To. Oh, oh, I will. I will for sure. We have mutual friends, but uh, I want to. We need to go out to dinner with John Ingram and his beautiful bride, and just talk turkey and see what we can do to, to elevate this 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 farms to the next level, whatever that is. Anyway. One minute to go. Sum it up. If you had one hour to live, Becca, what would you say to the world? And I'm just sensitive to time, so I'm, I don't want to cut you off, but I definitely want you to preach. What is your message to the world? Your last lecture in 45 seconds.
5: You're on your way home would be my last lecture. You know, we were, our journey began with God and it's ending with God. And this has been great gift, whatever was in between, but just to trust that we are on our way home. I mean it's a sweet message but it is the truth and that's you know you don't have to figure everything out you just kind of have to trust we're on our way home
1: I sure hope Marcus is listening because that's his next number one tune
5: oh honey he says that that's your next number one song you're on your way home hey, I'm gonna work on it. he's going to work on it
1: oh my gosh said, I come mean, write it with him I will in a second I mean you're so amazing and Again ladies and gentlemen listening in this is a this is the the dynamic duo this is the consummate power couple and their love is founded in God their passion is founded in their calling it's not a job it's not a career What they've taught us, my friends, is that that once we find our calling, it's easy to wake up early and stay up late. And as we say, as songwriters trigger that passion, creativity, and imagination to take those same 12 basic, boring, naked notes in music and and arrange them into a powerful hit song that changes the world one note, one song at a time. Thanks, Becca. We love you, Marcus. We love him. And I can't wait to just uh, spend some belly-to-belly, heart-to-heart time with you in Nashville.
5: All right, we look forward
1: to it. Okay, one more time. It's thistlefarms.org. Is that correct? That's it. And hopefully you'll get some good traffic coming in. We can support you in everything that you're doing. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the voiceamerica.com, the Influencers Channel, your host, Dan Clark. And definitely tune in next week when I have some other phenomenal guests that have a lot to live up to after Marcus and Becca have graced our waves. God bless. Remember our military in your prayers and you have a great week. Thanks for being
0: part of the show. Be sure to join Dan Clark next Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. 12 noon pacific time for another edition of the art of significance on the voice america influencers channel remember you too can achieve the level beyond success